you consider yourself normal, then this is not the show for you. Please go somewhere else. This is WYRD. If it's getting weird, it's got to be the Weird Mountain Gals show. Listening to Byron and Alicia, the Weird Mountain Gals. Astrolatching people who are escaping from the south of the they used to cage and So, and also, and also, also, our second biggest crop, it was illegal though, is marijuana. And a lot of marijuana got thrown in the caves under lakes. And I guess I'm not sure why it was lakes, but that's. The rumor. All right, you wouldn't know anybody that ever knew and But that's the rumor. And the, the two, you know, moonshine and marijuana went hand in hand, especially as, uh, as in, through the 60s and 70s. Well, and also because once prohibition was rescinded, then it was. Then, then Appalachian heritage, heritage alcohol was not so important, right? Probably. Well, that's true. But and there was a group of rebels. There was a whole culture that grew up around it. So the muscle cars around here all had something to do with running moonshine, for instance. Uh, and they would hire drivers, and it was considered. And this is a redneck thing, y'all. It was considered a real skill. If you were a guy, you got guy points. If you could drive really fast through the mountains with your lights off on your car. And I'm not kidding. I wish I was. Well, I'm going to tell the story on me now. Because I told Ron I'll let you And I promise we'll get back to that when we do it. When I was um, 16, 17, something like that, my first car was a 67 Camaro. And um, we used to play this game as only redneck high school kids can play, that we called Secret Agent Man. <laughs> so we would start in the parking lot of a high school, and somebody would have like a three-minute head start in some super strong car, like a Mustang or a Charger or some big old muscle right, car right. that had an engine in it that's bigger than my damn Camaro. I mean, my damn Toyota. And... And then the next person would take off after them, none of us running with lights. And it would be, really? you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And our destination was to get to foot Mount Pisgah. But if you could catch the person in front of you, then you were supposed to pass them and just keep going. Keep going. And, and here I am, 66 years old, and I lived to tell the tale. Oh, hell, it was crazy. But my daughter said, we was learning to drive, and I'd say, no, no, you have to go slower. Okay take this curve. I, I did all of that. And I didn't tell her until she was 25 years old and graduated college what I did when I was 16 and 17 because I didn't want her to do it because it was crazy. Gosh. And almost none of you are all here are old enough to have been that crazy, but a couple of you are. <laughs> They're doing their crazy stuff now is what it is. So did that answer your question? Yeah. So are you studying that? Is that something you're particularly interested in? Yeah. Um, I'm not familiar with the system. 
they they are they were ubiquitous with the culture for one thing. For another thing, they were they were documented and then the documents got destroyed in a fire or something from TVA. Yes. Uh, and I don't remember the year of the fire, but it was a very suspicious kind of thing. And the TVA had decided to document several things, including some dimensional properties of the lakes and yeah. some of the uh, streams that were feeding into the lakes. And then they decided that, oh, well, you know, they needed to know what was in those caves back there. And they got what they wanted, but then they lost it all because it... It all mysteriously burned. Yeah. So there are no official documents, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, as far as the Spelunkers go, they have ways, y'all have ways, I don't Spelunk, uh, of documenting it. I guess your apps will help you now as much as anything. Uh, but back in the day, the, they, they were just, you just knew you do not go into caves alone and yeah, without, sure, without. Sure what you consider to be protection because you don't want to get in there and find the wrong family. Families lived down around those caves and that mm -hmm. is the truth. Uh, they were undocumented families and they were scary as crap. Yeah. And you never wanted to run into one, ever. Uh, and not to mention that there were people who were making moonshine and growing marijuana and who knows what else. Yeah. Who knows what else was going on. That's just stuff I knew as a little kid. And there was a report that came out a few years ago about cave paintings. Mm -hmm. uh, North Alabama, North Georgia, up in there. Um, and they're not sure who did those. So, and they won't even tell people where they are because they're so, you know, because it's fragile in there. And because, yeah, and because some dumbass, excuse me, will go and, and trash it if you're not careful. You have to be careful of your resources. You know, I personally... Uh, we talk we, about that a lot. Yeah. Well, it's because it's true. Yes, ma'am. So, where I grew up, there was a community person who, if someone had warts, mm -hmm. we could go to them and they would take you and healer. Would he pray over them? And he would, he would put his finger in, then they would be gone with you like a week or two. Fascinating. And so I was wondering if you could give an example of some sort of that might be something that would happen in Appalachia. Well, well that's a that's a good one. That's a we, real good one. We have a, a strong tradition of that. I had a great aunt who um, was who, who could talk away words, is what they said. He could talk away words. And the way she did it, and, and another thing would is she important. blow them away too? No. Uh, another thing that's important is to remember that most Appalachian, what we call now folk magic people, folk healers, uh, that came out of a Protestant tradition, so a lot of them didn't use the word witch, but they also believed that it wasn't a power that they held, that they were just a channel for the divine spirit or energy. So my great aunt would like take your hand and so say your the wart was on your hand and she would hold your hand and she'd rub it with her thumb. Rub it, rub it, but the whole time she'd be saying, Honey, it's so good to see you. Did did y'all have good corn this year? My corn wasn't good this all this year. And the whole and she would know when whatever it was done was done. And she would raise her thumb off kind of ceremoniously and she would say, Well, you go on home now, and you tell your mama, I said hello, and like three or four days later, the war would fall off. 
So what we think now is that there was something in the chemical, the oil of her skin, that interfered with the virus that caused warts. And so, and that might be the tongue tradition. Yeah, so it would be the same thing, but then made it disappear. But yeah, that's pretty common. The ones that are, are more interesting to me are like the blowing the fire, the blowing the heat out of a, a burn, the fire out of a burn. And I love to tell this story. So if y'all have a, a, a charm other than this, let me know because I'm kind of collecting them. So I learned it as you get a burn. So you are taking pizza out of the oven and you get that burn that we get. It's like the little stripe right here from the from the oven. And what you what I was taught to do is you you put your hand over it but don't touch it and you make your hand go clockwise and you say come three angels from the north take us fire and frost and you repeat that two times and then you raise your hand away and then and then it's fine that the burn comes out of the fire comes out of the burn but in northern Virginia. Uh, they say, three angels they came out of the east. One, one brought frost and two took fire, out fire in frost. Then in Kentucky, it's three brides. Three brides that came out of the east. One, t- one took the fire, one left the frost, something like that. Which makes me think, and then there are other instances of brides, it's three brides. So bride is an ancient name for the saint and goddess Bridget. So we think that really tracks back to Scots-Irish old lore for Bridget who was a healing saint and also a healing goddess. So it may actually track back all the way, if y'all don't know the Alexander Carmichael work, uh, it's called the Carmina Gedelica. It's his fat volume that is full of incantations, charms, and prayers from uh, from the border reavers, the Scots-Irish border reavers, and from the Highland Scots. Please check it out. He did some amazing work in the late 1800s gathering that information. So there's fire out of a burn. There's if <coughs> the the thing was if a a child was born and it never met its father. So, what that meant in those terms was not that they were, it was an illegitimate child, not that any child was ever illegitimate, but that the father had died between, between the conception of the child and the birth of the child. Then that child was supposed to have special abilities, like could uh, blow thrush out of a baby's mouth and things like that. So, yeah. and my, my, kin, my people would blow things away, the wart. They would, they would mumble a Bible phrase and blow it away. Would blow it away. They would blow away your troubles sometimes. Oh, I love that. That's sweet. Blow away your troubles. They would sing away your troubles sometimes. And uh, so, yeah, that was what we would do. I never knew anyone who used the tongue thing to do that. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's um, like the Dune novel where they... Jessica yes. takes one drop of saliva and puts it there on the spice and it becomes that crazy whatever psychedelic drug. It really is just what? Liquid worm. Liquid worm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I've told this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it, but 
My, my best friend from high school, uh, her father was a famous bluegrass musician, pretty famous, played with Bill Monroe. And uh, at her mother's funeral, her father said to me, Miss Byron, I, you know about all them things. So I'm the seventh son of a seventh son. And, and we all went, oh, a seventh? Because that's like Appalachian folk royalty, or the seventh daughter of a seventh daughter. And he said, well, what? What am I supposed to know? And he was in his 80s by then. And, and I said, well, Mr. Ralph, I, I know your daddy should have told you all that. I don't know what you're supposed to know. <laughs> and, and he said, well, he tried to tell me, but I didn't listen because all I wanted to do was play the mandolin and drink corn liquor. And by God, he was a great mandolin player and from all accounts a great corn liquor drinker. But that piece of folklore, that piece of family folklore was lost forever because he, you know, it wasn't what he was interested in. It was that old-fashioned stuff, and he wasn't going to do that because he was going to be a famous musician. He's going to live in Nashville, Tennessee and be a famous musician. Well, he was a pretty famous musician, but that piece is lost. But he didn't have seven sons, so he could not have passed that. When you talk about that kind of Appalachian folk tradition, he could not have passed that on to his seventh son because he didn't have one. But he did have two sons and two daughters. So if he had passed that information on to those children, male or female, would the information have worked? Would it, would it have counted if he had done that? Oh, we don't know. We're, we're seeing those lines, those family lines of information. We're seeing those things fading away fast. Mm -hmm. And I encourage anybody who is interested in any kind of folk magic practice, whether it's Appalachian or some other rural kind, or even urban folk magic, that you talk to the elders in your family, and you and you don't say to them, "Tell me, grandmother, about the witchcraft in our uh, Sicilian family," because your Sicilian grandmother will slap you hard across the face. And then she will make you a big bowl of excellent pasta. But instead, say to them, what is that weird stuff that people used to do that came from the old country? What is that weird stuff? And if you start with the weird stuff and don't add some witching to it or magic or any of that, your elders are going to be more likely to say, well, did you know your great aunt? She be, I swear, this is really true. And then they will tell you the story. But if you put up barriers for conversation, they will take them. Because a lot of times people are embarrassed that that's what their family did or their family believed. Well, they just don't want people to know. The culture around what I'm familiar with was one of it's, it's our business, it's nobody else's business, what we're up to. We're not hurting anybody. We're not out there trying to find out what anybody else is up to either. So y'all just live and let live. And then if somebody would come around, for instance, this is the way it worked that, that I observed. If somebody had a problem, for instance, a sickness or a trial, a tribulation of some sort, they would know which person to go to and just Absolutely. sit and, and talk to them about it. And they'd usually bring something because mostly these would be women, older women, um, usually living alone and didn't have really any income. And so people would bring them a, a chicken, and that's not a joke, or a clock, for instance, something that they had, and they would pay this 
lady, this woman, yeah. and they would go around the barn and, and get a, a jar of something that would cure this sickness that they had. Or they might get something else, but they would get what, yeah. what they needed. And so that was a tradition of healing, but it never got called witchcraft. They would get highly offended, and so many times when someone back then would do healing, they would be... They would be reciting a verse from the Bible when they were doing oh, it. Oh, absolutely! Because the thing I also want to stress with all of this is that these traditions, as they are traditionally practiced, come out of a Protestant Christian background. They came to us through Protestant Christianity, so there's not much about saints. So right now, there is this kind of mashing together of all sorts of Afro-Caribbean, Native, all kinds of things that people are saying, well, no, this is this is Appalachian folk magic. I'm telling you, Protestants didn't have no saints. So if, if you say you are practicing a traditional Appalachian folk way and you are praying to saints and African gods, I'm not saying it's not working. I'm just saying it's not traditional. Not traditional in this part of the region. Historically speaking. Yeah. yeah. They were... I mean, they prayed to Jesus, and they prayed to the Lord, whoever that is. I'm not sure which of the Trinity that is, but the Holy Spirit rarely gets called the Lord. Have you noticed that? The Holy Spirit is just the Spirit. The Spirit moved. The Spirit was on us. The Spirit was in us. So the Spirit is the Spirit, and then there's the Lord, and then there's Jesus. But there is hardly ever a mention of Mary, for heaven's sake. But the ancestors are around. The ancestors definitely were around. And that was a key component, too. But I don't know if it was really formalized, but the ancestors would be like your grandma, your great-grandma, the folks in your family would pass on, the ones you knew, the recent dead, and then the older ones, too. So every family had their own kind of tradition about it. But, but it was a common, it was just common. It was kind of taken for granted in certain households that, that great grandma is still here. You just can't see her. I knew she'd get to death. <laughs> what can you say? We I'm wearing this bitching. See this, y'all? Brittany made this. She's got a lot of talent. It's talents. beautiful. It is beautiful. But yeah, let's pay some respect to death. We're all going to get there sooner or later and be part of the earth, too. And so uh, I like the thought that I can still talk to my grandma and my grandpa. It doesn't clash with any tr spiritual or religious tradition that I know of, including <laughs> Christianity. If they read their Bible, they'll see that they are told that they need to be speaking to their dead, their dead kin, uh, and that they're very interested in, in hearing what's going on down here. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad you are bringing that up right now. It's my question. I wanted to... Um, as someone that's about a year ago was called to help people die with dignity, yeah. um, uh, the way Appalachia handles death is beautiful to me. And I would love to just start on it. Um, well, you know, we talk about <laughs> that all the time. It, it's, well, first I will say to you, you know about mugwort. If you're helping people, if you're easing the veil open for people to make that passage from matter to spirit, Mugwort, which is in the Artemisia family, Artemisia vulgaris. So it's the plant, same plant that gives us adsum. 
Um, it, what we have discovered about it, Mugwort has always been known to be a dream tonic. And um, and if, so, if you have night terrors, mugwort will bring them down so they're manageable. Yep. If you don't remember your dreams, mugwort will bring them up so right. you can remember them. It's a great aid for transport, lucid dream, and all of that. But what it also does that we've discovered, like in the last seven or eight years, is it it, it will ease the road open to yeah to transition from matter to spirit. And we've only recently figured that out. I'm, I'm sure the ancestors knew it, but we didn't know it. So you make a really strong mugwort tea, and if the person can ingest liquid, you can give them tea to drink. It's fine. I, I warn all of y'all that mugwort is a mild abortifacient. So if you are pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant, please be careful handling mugwort. Right, because that could potentially yeah, end it. It absolutely could. Um, and you also can make a strong tea and put it on the pulse points. The way I like to use it is I cut big branches of it and I put it in the pillowcase but under the pillow because I think the effect is aromatherapeutic. So you smell it and it helps put you into this altered state. So it's a, it's a wonderful choice when you're sitting by the bedside. People say all the time, oh, life is so fragile, it's so fragile. But you have never, if you think that, it's because you have never sat at the bedside of a 94-year-old woman who is begging Jesus to take her home, but life's not done with her yet. And her body doesn't function very well, and maybe her mind is gone and her memories are gone, but by God, she is still hanging on. So, a little mugwort. Now, mugwort will not kill your ex. So don't get excited about that. And it's not considered a, a poison, poison at all. No, no. But it really will do that. It does a wonderful job. I can give you all kinds of um, anecdotal evidence. So, it's also yeah. used in many, many kinds of rituals. And so I know that you you do ritual work. And you might look into it. It also makes a wonderful sacred smoke. Mugwort and the, we have Mountain Mint, which is the Virginianum. I don't know what, I know y'all have got a wild mint here. Same word. Is it the same one? So I use mugwort, that mountain mint, and then uh, rabbit tobacco. And rabbit tobacco, where we are, is pseudonifolium obtusifolium. And you probably all have the same rabbit tobacco we do. And it makes a really good smudge, a sacred smudge. So, yeah, Appalachians, you want to start on the Appalachians yeah. are good with death? Well, I was going to say, my, I never knew any of my relatives who smudged, just being quite honest. Uh, I never saw it. I also never saw any of my relatives that collected crystals or did. Now, moon water, yes. I saw I saw yeah, that. My grandmother did. They all respected the moon. But here's the thing. They would... They would collect rocks. You see, that's what they called it. So maybe if you're if you're thinking about interviewing someone that's older, you might not say, "Hey, did your mother collect crystals?" Just say, "Did y'all collect any rocks back there?" And and see if that's maybe you know. And think about stuff like that, and you'll be surprised at what comes out. <laughs> this area, I'm sure, has got so much biodiversity that you'll probably hear some stories about the plants that glow and lights oh, yeah. that, you yeah. know, and all kinds of stuff like that. 
anyway. So, well, I'm going to say one word about that, and then we'll, I promise we'll talk about that. Um, there's a, a tradition in a lot of Southern, but especially I know I'm from Appalachian, kitchens, where somebody will have a cannon jar, mason jar, that has a chip in it, so it can't be used for cannon anymore. They'll have it in the kitchen window, usually, and it'll have little pieces of broken glass in it, and it's colored glass, so when the light shines through it, it's like having a stained glass window. And if you talk to almost always an older woman who has that in her kitchen window, she will say to you, oh, isn't that pretty? My mama did that and her mama did that. And I just, I collect up broken glass when I see it when it's a colored glass. Because look how the sun shines through it. It's so pretty. I'm going to tell you where that tradition comes from. It comes from the borderlands between Scotland and England. And it was believed that any spirit that was going to enter your house and do malicious damage couldn't get past all those edges because they had to stop and count all the edges and they weren't good at counting. So they'd count one, two, three, four, five, three, seven, one, two, three, four, seven, nine, eleven. And so they would never get past all the edges to get into your house. But these old country women don't know that. They don't know that that's a tradition that may have come out of the Saxons in Northern Europe. And that's how far back we've traced it. Yeah. She just knows that if that broken 7-up bottle stays in the yard, one of the young ones is going to step on it and they're going to cut their foot bad. And so they have those pretty colors in the wind. So there is stuff that all of us have in our families that goes back a thousand years. A thousand years. And we just don't know it because it didn't come down to you as... Why, this is the thousand-year-old remedy for blah, blah, fill in the blank. It comes down as, but aren't those pretty in the windows? It's just so colorful. I just love the way that looks. Yeah. So ask them about the way things look. And somebody mentioned cold and flu season. I don't remember who it was. Or talk about healing. I don't know. But I'm going to be the elderberry evangelist for just one minute. Make yourself some damn elderberry tincture. Elderberry tincture. Because uh, it is wonderful for flu, influenza, and for colds. Mm -hmm. And they um, did they did call it tincture. Well, and, and you can make it either as a tincture. Bye, y'all. Good to see you. Um, I tincture it in Appalachian Heritage alcohol. Period. Because Alicia got me some from out in her home county. Uh, I mean, she didn't. I found it on the side of the road, and it was... Anyway, uh, but you can make it as a syrup, if that is better for you if you don't do alcohol, because a lot of people are in recovery, and they don't do alcohol. So, uh, But get some. Lay in a supply right now. If you've got to go get the berries dry, because you can't find the berries now, thank you very much, get them dry at... Um, have y'all got a Whole Foods here? I mean, I hate Whole Foods, but if you've got a... Or... Or a co-op or something Just get like a, that. if you've got a co-op, get them from the co-op. Get them wherever you need to get them, but lay it in now. It's really good, flu and colds. Also, uh, Rosemary Gladstar's Fireside Recipe, which you can find online. Go ahead and lay that in now. It's so good. You have terrible birds. So <laughs> Trust me. Trust me on that, y'all. <laughs> so, yeah, get both of those things because it's going to be a bad flu season this year, bad cold season. Yeah. And now we've got that RSV. 
Is that the right RSV? Yeah. Um, so go ahead and make sure you're going to be you're going to be safe because there's not going to be. We already know there's a Tamiflu shortage, and I'm not going to tell you to get a flu shot because a lot of people don't like to do that. If you if you don't mind doing it, get a flu shot. But lay in uh, fire cider, which also will help you with any COVID symptoms. Now, as far as I can tell, herbalists, and I'm going to look at the two herbalists I know they're here. Herbalists are pretty right down the middle about using elderberry tincture for COVID. Uh, some people say it's perfectly fine. It's been used for SARS viruses for 100 years. Other people say with this particular SARS virus, that elderberry tincture can start a cytokine storm. So I've not been, uh, I've not been telling people to treat with that. But fire cider is excellent with COVID symptoms, and it won't slow the COVID down, but it'll it'll help you with the symptoms. It just it'll just liven up your whole life. It's good on greens and beans and huh, so. <laughs> so we. I didn't realize I stopped using elderberry. I did too. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally have gallons of elderberry from two years ago. Yeah. Sweet gum ball tincture. Sweet gum? Tell us about that. So the um, active ingredient Tamiflu is derived from the same chemical, one of the constituents in green, sweet gum ball. So do you do that? Do you make I it? Do. Okay. And have you found it very effective? I have not used it on myself personally, but with uh, some of my clients that I've worked with, it has helped. But you got to start as soon as symptoms, even you got to implement the symptoms. And how do you take it? Do you do it with drops? Or? Yeah, yeah, I do tincture. Because with elderberry tincture, and y'all, I, I may be messing messing with y'all's brains, but I, I do elderberry tincture. You take a shot glass as a loading dose, mm -hmm. and then you take two tablespoons every three hours. Yeah. So it's a shot glass, and then it's a sip every three hours. And then comes a time, and, and for any of you who don't know this, and I think most of y'all are witches, so you do, but there comes a time with these um, these holistic and herbal medicines where your body just goes, no, I'm not having any more of that. There's no way I'm drinking another damn drop of that shit get it off my face. And that's when you know that your body has taken everything it can from that particular herb, and no more is going to be helpful. I'm like, she's moved right to the front. It's like, no, nah, I got some stuff. I just can't hear about Google. I want to the fire cider too. Um, being with the COVID times, it's almost more effective because with COVID, you're not at this point. So it's just treating so much. Fire cider has so much in it that is just treating so much. I Well, and I recommend jalapenos too. Uh -huh. if, you, if you like a hot pepper, that's going to help clean out all of this stuff, and it's even going to help you throat a little bit, too. So. And, and and more and more, because you all know, the Appalachian region, there is only one region that is more biodiverse, and that's that's the Amazon. And we're cutting that down so we can have more cows. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we're cutting down the Appalachian region so that people can have pellet stoves all over Europe. <laughs> because... Can we just acknowledge that humans ain't got good sense? <laughs> we really don't. There's a lot of us that don't have good sense. That's been me at least once or twice this week. How about Not you? having good sense or That's complaining right. about people without good sense? Yeah. Both. <laughs> all. Yeah. All that damn stuff. Yeah. 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 So death. Oh, death. Uh, 
I'm going to tell another story. Y'all, I will, I will take you right to the edge of a rabbit hole. And I will push you into the rabbit hole. And then I'll jump down on top of you still talking. <laughs> so, sorry. That's how that goes. So, I was, uh, I was at PantheaCon at a conference. And they didn't want me to teach any classes, but they allowed us how they could have that little hillbilly girl be on a, a, a panel for uh, death and dying in pagan communities. And so I started out, I was supposed to sort of get everyone out of the cast a circle or whatever, get everybody ready to do this, what they thought was going to be a really hard conversation. I stood in the back of this big old ballroom thing in a hotel, and I started singing that song, Oh Death. And I walked down the aisle very slowly singing that. And people were like, what the hell is going on? But it got them all ready to talk about death. Yeah. yeah. So sing a little more of it. No, I ain't going to sing so we do do we do death well here, and we say that a lot in the podcast. That was the the name of the first episode was we do death well here, and because we do death well here, it's not unfamiliar. No, I'm not. It's 2022, so life is really different. Sometimes because I'm older, I think of 30 years ago as if it was just like last year or something, but. I remember when death was not the taboo subject that it is now. Now it's kind of been, you take it out and you parade it around a little bit and then, you know, you post about it and then you put it back in the closet and you don't think about it anymore. Back then, it was just part of life there. They would build doors in the houses that were of the right weight and size to be able to hold a person. Because they didn't have a mortuary with a slab to just come around. They had to take care of their own dead, and they didn't mind doing it. And I can see that. If you love somebody, you don't mind doing something like that for them. It's kind of like taking care of somebody when they're sick. Except they're not able to complain. <laughs> well, wait, I better that take water, that one back, that too. <laughs> no, they can complain. But, uh, yeah, I remember my grandma's house had uh, a, an apartment in the basement, and that was pretty common. And that's where her parents lived, her, her mother lived. And so that would make it my, I make Baba my great-grandma, in the German line, Baba. Was what we called her, Baba, and uh, I remember she would come up the stairs with me because after she after she died, my grandpa took his clocks and stuff that people had paid him through the years, and he put them all downstairs in that little apartment, and I would go down there like it was just some magic place because it was a magical place, and uh, I remember distinctly that she would walk upstairs with me when I would be done, and you could hear it on the stairs. Mm -hmm. And I asked my grandparents, so I asked my grandma about it one time, and she was Mama, by the way. Baba and Mama. Right, Mama first and then Mama. And uh, she told me, oh yeah, I know that is Baba. And she was, Baba was still in the house, you see. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like something that we would sit around and talk about. And I don't recall ever seeing a table tipping, trying to call her. Although I would have gone to that, I, there's my mother did that all the time. Table tipping. Uh, oh hell yeah! Oh yeah. And and you know every house I think 
that had kids running around in it would have a Ouija board. And now, of course, oh, yes. that's like, ooh, Ouija board. Ouija board. Oh, no, not that. The Ouija well, boards, there's a lot of them around here. There too, are a lot of them. And I'm like, here's my side story on that is that the TikTok witches, I'm like the one defender of the crazy ass TikTok witches. Are any of y'all TikTok witches? Because I just want to say I got your back. Because people will be like, do you know what those damn TikTok witches have done now? They have hexed the moon, they have hexed the fae. Now, apparently, the TikTok witches no longer believe that Helen Keller was a real person. I don't know. And now there are people who believe that birds aren't really, you know, animals and all this stuff. Here's the thing. I look at people my age and I say, you know, you, you can bitch about TikTok witches all you want to, but don't even lie to me and say that you weren't one of those people that pulled out a Ouija board at five minutes to midnight because you were going to call the spirit in JFK or you going to call a demon. Are you going to visit with the ghost of Helen Keller? I don't know, all that stuff. It's just that we did not have uh, two million followers on TikTok, and we didn't record it so that ten years later we could look back on it and go, God, was I a dumbass? Or that it'll what? get you kicked out of political office or exactly. something. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, TikTok was just got to do what they got to do. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad for them. Well, I've learned some stuff from I, them, you know. You have not. I have. <laughs> no, I have. Well, you, well, I'm not saying I learned you Appalachian witchery. You to get one of those circular lights because they do weird things in your glasses. They do. That's, That's what I learned from the Have y'all ever seen those? Have you ever seen one of those, Brittany? The circular lights that they do and it's supposed to illustrate your face? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like fluorescent light. What the hell? Who looks good in fluorescent light? That's the same light. That Six, you go into 16 year olds. 16 year olds look good in that line. 14 year olds. <laughs> the TikTok witches look good in that line. Anyway, well, you know what? If we had had the ability to TikTok back in, back in my day, we probably would have. So, back to just a quick just a quick visit with death one more time. Oh, yeah. Let, let yeah. me give you a, just a couple of quick suggestions. If, you want, if you're interested in keeping your family heritage alive, uh, and you have some older relatives who are on Ancestry.com, when they die, you only have a certain amount of time to claim their account, or it'll get frozen, closed, and all the family secrets that they had put in there will be gone. Okay? So make note, because most families nowadays will have one person, you know, there's like a record keeper in every family. So make note of that. The other thing is, if you are lucky enough to have a relative that still has a big old thick Bible, oh yes, you need to make Bible. sure and look through every single page of life. The other thing would be the recipe books. Because through the years, recipes, they, had, they put recipes in those books that were recipes for all kinds of things. Recipes for things that were not necessarily just food. Absolutely. I mean, there are all kinds of people who will tell you, oh, it's a grimoire from the 1500s. I'm telling you, if you want to find what real people were doing that was real magic, look in old cookbooks. They're called receipts, not recipes. And they will have written down in the back of that to bring back a lost love. 
and there will be a recipe, there'll be a receipt for that in the book. So that is the place to look for this old stuff. I mean, if it's some old grimoire for some ceremonial magician who wear a long ruby red robe, when the stars are in the sign of Uranus, then, I mean, all of that may work. I don't know. I'm a folk magician. I mean, it's a planet, isn't it? All right. I'm not about to say nothing about nothing. I did not say a thing. And watch me change the subject, I guess. Me thinks now does protest too much. So, a really good friend of mine from high school, not the one I mentioned before, because I'm still friends with my friends from high school, which is fine. I'm going to go to high school reunions because these people are. Hey, thank you for spending your time with us here at Weird Mountain Gals. We sure do appreciate it. You know, I know time is the most important thing we have, so I promise that if you take your time to listen to us, we'll take our time to continue to be weird. Many thanks to Sunslice Records for all the help. We couldn't do it without you, Craig. Check out our social media for information, community, or a few laughs. W-Y-R-D Mountain Gals.